people who follow Islam, they have a window into God. People who follow Buddhism have a window into God. Christians and Catholics have a window into God. Mm. None of us have the total window because God's always going to be a mystery. Mm. But we try to learn our bit. And you find the part that's really meaningful for you, I think. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Adventure Fit Radio. Uh, I'm very excited about this show today. And this is actually a show that I recorded with my uncle, John, my uncle, John. So I'm uh, holding up the fortress here while, uh, while Bill is away in Greece. This is a really great show. I actually, uh, my, my uncle, John is, he's a, a very spiritual man. He's a, he's a brother and he's worked at uh, Ross Trevor, which is a, uh, a private school in South Australia for a lot of his life. And, um, he's, he's actually followed the way of, uh, of, of, of God and the ambiguous de- term that defines that under the spiritual, uh, under the, the, the Catholic Christian faith, um, for much of his life. And I always wanted to, uh, to pick his brain. And, you know, as uh, most of you know, that do listen to this show, I had a lot of, uh, anxiety and anxieties and, and things that, that, uh, came about through the understanding of life after death and, and, and spirituality and God in, in whatever that way meant. I had no idea what that really meant. And, Still, kind of don't. Still, I don't think really, really many people do. So, as is their uh, their own definitions define them. But uh, yeah, this is a really great show, and uh, I really, really enjoyed. It. And I hope you do too. I, it was more just me kind of sitting there and listening to to John speak, and you know, trying to find similarities and, and distinctions as well as um, in the way that kind of I saw the world and the way he saw the world. And um, he's always been a quite a happy man um, since I've known him, really. But he, he went through his his tough times too. And, um, I think that as we all do, and it was really good to hear that from him. So, uh, I really do hope you enjoyed this show guys are going to go through the sponsors. Now, first one's audible head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. And I'll talk to you why right now audible is this huge online library of books. Um, I think there's a real revolution going on in the world now with, uh, with everyone listening to their content and, you know, whilst they actively get from one place to the next, and Audible is a really great, great way, excuse me, to get uh, to get all your books in and get all that knowledge in. I think um, a lot of us, it's, it's it's a little bit more difficult to uh, to read a book because you have to really sit down and um, and actively think about setting some time aside for reading. But Audible is great, <coughs> excuse me, because you can actually do things on the go. So head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash advf radio. You can uh, you can get a one free credit, so one free book when you sign up with their monthly subscription. There, guys, our biggest protein, our biggest protein. My God, I'm dying here. Our biggest sponsor at the moment, the Big Dogs True Protein, guys. Uh, sup online sup store. Head there for all your protein powders and all your wellness little things. There, you can chuck down via the gob. Head to uh, www.trueprotein.com.au and use the code ADVF for 10% off all subs and everything in that online store. It's mad. I love it. And finally, guys, AdventureFit Travel. We always say this, the big dog, AdventureFit Travel, the mother of this lovely podcast. It's 10% off trips when you use the code radio at www.adventurefittravel.com. Like I said, Bill's in Greece right now. Mac just got back from Bali in the Gilly Islands. We got... uh, Tons of stuff coming up, but my biggest one is Iceland, which I will be leading this year again. Really loved leading it last year, and uh, really looking forward to it again this year. I think it's a trip that's gonna it's gonna be pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to it. So 
head to uh, www.adventurefittravel.com. Enjoy the show. Bye. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where can we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Now, just as a, as a bit of a background, uh, Johnny is my lovely uncle, and uh, we've known each other for a while, ever since I was born. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably pretty right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense, yeah. Um, John, do you want to just give um, the listeners and the, the guys watching a bit of a background on who you are and, um, and why you're on the show, I guess? Okay, well, uh, I guess I'm, I'm uh, originally from Adelaide and uh, I've lived most of my life in Adelaide. But when I was young and I finished school, I joined the Christian Brothers because I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to work in uh, sort of like Catholic schools in that era. And uh, so I've worked all my life until last year in, uh, in schools, but my last 25 years I was sort of a, like a director of spirituality in a big school in Adelaide. And when I retired, I thought, well, what do I want to do next? And I thought, oh, spirituality is sort of my passion now, so I'd like to study. So I'm over here in Melbourne studying spirituality mm. down, down the road here at the Jesuit College of Spirituality and uh, really enjoying it. And, uh, so that's a little bit about me and where I've come from and... Why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Um, why, do you, why did you find spirituality through the Christian faith? Okay, that's a really big question. Yeah, it? we're going right here. <laughs> we're just going well, deep. I guess I was sort of brought up in a Christian faith, in Catholicism, as, a, as, as we call it. And um, like most people, when I was young, I struggled a bit, and I sort of... Uh, you know, I remember even, this sounds a funny thing to say, but when I was a young brother, I was sort of teaching and coaching sport and doing all the things you do when you're young. Mm. But I sort of had lost lost that my sense of God a bit and God had sort of retreated into the background. And I sort of realised when I was about 30 that, gee whiz, there's something wrong here. My motivation's not quite in kilter. So mm. I started this search and uh, guess what I found? <laughs> I found that within my own religious line, there was this all this hidden spirituality that I discovered. Mm. And uh, it's as I said to Tom before we started recording, it's our best kept secret. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've been on the search, and uh, it's still. I think your whole life is a search, and I'm still on it, even though as you can see from the colour of my hair, yeah, it's getting on a bit now, but. I'm still on the search. Well, I mean, you're 27 now. And you're oh. a little bit. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I, I think um, one of the big because um, you know you and I have we've discussed. I think I think um, the the mental health side of me, as soon as that became prevalent in my life, I, it, it was always a real search for meaning. And I think everyone everyone goes through that in yeah. their own individual way, a search for yeah. meaning. You know, yeah. and um, I went through different facets and all this sort of stuff. But I think um, what always fascinated me the most about you is obviously a loving um, relation in our family and also just as friends as well was how early you seem to have found um, the calling for spirituality and um, 
I know you and I have discussed this many times, but it was that moment that you had, I think, when you were on a, a silent retreat. Just thought you could elaborate on that. Yeah, I was actually in my mid-30s at that stage and I was the principal of a school Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I was struggling a bit and finding things a bit difficult and I was sort of tossing up, you know, well, do I stay in my calling in life, stay as a brother or do I leave and, and look at uh, pursuing marriage or being a father of a family because mm. I think I probably would have been a reasonably good dad. Thanks, so. And uh, anyway, I was on this retreat, silent retreat, and I was sort of uh, trying to pray and uh, struggling and not getting anywhere. And uh, I, I just had this strong inner feeling. It's all, I can't even describe it as a strong inner feeling that, hey, you're still looking over your shoulder. You haven't really made a decision to stick to your calling in life. So I walked outside and it was uh, on the Pacific Ocean. It was a place just uh, south of Sydney, right on the Pacific Ocean. And there was actually a graveyard just there. And then you walk down to the beach. And I walked down towards the beach and I just looked up and there was this canopy of stars up there. It was like the universe displayed. And I just looked up and said, OK, God, you've got me. I'm going to stick at this. Really? Yeah, I just, and I can't describe to you why I did that. Mm. It was I can only describe it as a strong inner feeling. Mm. I just thought... Yep, I'm being tapped on the shoulder here to make a decision one way or the other. Wow. And I was all right, okay. And that was why this is it. Yeah. And do, you, does, do most um, brothers or I guess people of that faith sort of have that, that moment or...? I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think so. Mm. I think I was probably lucky um, because it's the only time in my whole life I've had, a, had an experience like that. And uh, some people can relate to it and say, yeah, it's something similar and others say, oh, no, I've never really... Never had, had a moment like that. I've never been sure that this is the right thing to do. Mm, mm. It's fascinating. I absolutely love it. So describe to us um, some of the feelings you were, you know, in the period of life you were going through um, before you had that calling because um, I think um, mental health is obviously, it's a big part of this podcast. It's a big yeah. part of what the Mind Mate's all yeah. about. And, um, yeah. Yeah, if you could just talk about that. Well, I've heard you talk about how you had a period in your life where you were very anxious or mm. suffered a lot of anxiety. And I can relate to that. A bit. I don't think I perhaps suffered it quite as strongly as you did, but I certainly did. Mm. And uh, when I was, you know, I was very busy as a young teacher and a young, um, you know, when you're a teacher in a school, you're, you're, if you really take it seriously, you pretty will give your life to it and it can dominate you. And I think I probably did that. And I, I wasn't, and every time I stopped or I was having a holiday or I stopped to think, I was aware of this underlying feeling of feeling a bit anxious mm. about what I couldn't have told you. Just a bit unsure you yeah. know, about life and a bit, bit fearful. I don't know whether you've ever had anything to do with the Enneagram, but it's a, it's a, it's a theory that the, there are nine basic personalities. Oh, right. Everyone yeah. belongs to one. And yeah. Each of the three, the groups of three, has a different underlying emotion. Right. And uh, mine was a, well, my underlying emotion was fear. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it would sort of surface there and it was hanging around in the background. I was never really aware of it until mm. I started to take time out and started doing things like these six-day directed retreats, mm. which are all silent. And so you have to really get in touch with what's going on inside of yourself. Mm. And it's then I started to look at myself and realise, well, what's going on here? Why, why am I feeling like this? Well, and, and to start to come to groups with it. Now, for me, and different people have different answers, but for me, I think it was that I wasn't really trusting in, in God. I was just uh, trying to solve everything myself. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when I started to put a bit of trust there, it was amazing how the whole um, fear lessened. 
Mm. Mm. So, so were those retreats that were Christian based? Yes, they were. Retreats. Yeah, yeah, they were. And I don't think everybody has to find this meaning necessarily through Christianity, but for me, that was the way it worked mm. because um, I sort of believe dif- different religions and different people, even who have got religions, have different windows into this mystery we call God. Mm. Now, the Christian window or the Catholic window, whatever you want to call it, is a good one for me and it's meaningful for me. It might be meaningful for everybody else, but it's enabled me to get in touch with aspects of this mystery mm. that I found really personally fulfilling in my life. Absolutely, yeah. Because um, we, you know, um, one thing I'm, that I'm really aiming to do towards the end of the year, hopefully, is um, the Pasana Retreat, which is a 10-day silent retreat through wow. the... Uh, Buddhist, I believe. I believe it's Buddhist um, okay. through the Buddhist way, but it's, yep. it's basically just, you know, you can say the word prayer or meditation. You can yes. say the word Vipassana or Christian-based sign of retreat. It, yep. It's all yep. basic. The basic, um, you know, practicality aspect of it is to just get a really good handle of who you are, you know. And I think um, it, this is one of the reasons why I love having these chats with you so much is because, you know, it's so um, refreshing to, to hear that, you know, spirituality or this understanding of God, you know, um, especially become for someone who was quite fearful of the traditional sense of the word God, you know, mm. it's about um, finding your own personal meaning and your own authenticity through who you are and getting deep within outside yourself and then using that to, to good use and putting that and almost leaving the world in a better place based on that merit. Mm. Uh, do you resonate with that? or Absolutely. Mm. Um, I think um, if you become at peace within yourself, and you develop that spiritual side of yourself, you're going to make the world a better place because of who you are. Yeah. Because you're going to be a better person. And if you really take it seriously, you can't be inauthentic and you can't do uh, morally bad things. No. Because it's not true to who you are. Mm. And we all know there are people who have done those things. Uh, but I think, you know, there's a lack of authenticity there when people act like that. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's very helpful for people to do that. Mm. Whether, as you say, whether you do it through Buddhism or through Christianity, uh, both of those faiths have strong traditional meditational stances. Mm. Um, I think in Christianity we have this more anthropomorphical, to use a big word, yeah. vision of Super God. Super <laughs> Yeah, I've got to be a bit like a person, whereas in Buddhism it's more uh, finding your inner peace, mm. as I understand it. But... Ultimately, I think the two are probably the same thing. Mm, mm. So describe what you perceive to be God, then, in a sense. Oh, yeah. well, that's a really tough question. Yeah. And that's changed in my life. When I was a little kid, and I had that old traditional view of the big man up in the clouds, yeah. the white beard, yeah. the long robe, and all that. Yes. That's sort of long gone. Caucasian one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was when I think back. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's a lot more nebulous now, but I probably still, because of the, the tradition of Christianity has been to see a personal God, I think I probably still relate to God as being like a person, mm. albeit a, a person that's completely different to us mm. in all ways. But I still like to have that personal relationship and just occasionally look at this God figure as being like a really good friend mm. who's there. Yeah, so yeah. I can turn to every now and again and just have a really good uh, chat from the heart mm. with... Absolutely. Yeah, and I yeah, think um, yeah. even even if you don't want to, you know, view it as like a personal something, I mean, that understanding of, you know, having two selves, having like a, a child, a self, an egotistical self that, you know, a critical thinker and a monkey mind that always wants to, you know, be the best and do all this and do all this and, you know, all that sort of stuff that I guess is 
kept us quite I know pretty well and alive till 2018 <laughs> but then this other self that is just like you know this deep self of um someone that I guess we need to connect with at the same time as well, you know? I think that's important. I think the biggest thing for me that I always found difficult to understand when I was, um, you know, uh, studying religion and studying Christianity was the, the God in three parts, the Father, Son, and Holy uh, Spirit. The Trinity concept. Yeah, yeah. Is that, <laughs> like, is there a one-word answer to that one? Or like, no. Yeah. There's not. I still don't get it. <laughs> I, no, I just, I see it as being God, God is relationship. You know, yeah, that God is relationship, and it's all about relationship and relationships, and that that um, that uh, way of looking at God, I suppose, emphasises that importance of relationship. Mm. And um, yeah, no, that that's a, a mysterious entity that lots of people over hundreds of years have tried to explain yeah. in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, yeah. St. Patrick back in Ireland with his shamrock with the three-shaped leaf. <laughs> yeah. None of them quite work completely, but. But I think it's God in relationship and that God is in relationship right. with God's self and with us. Mm, mm. So it's so you've got the human form, God as a yeah. that nebulous entity, and then the, the spirit side of it as well. Yeah, the spirit that's in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So how was it based on um, you learning and practicing your own spirituality more that your idea of God changed as you did, as you developed it? I think so. I think you know. I went. I mentioned that period where I felt I'd sort of lost God for a while, mm. and I was sort of totally wrapped up in activism, just doing things. Yeah. And I, I was doing good things, but that was my whole life. Mm. And I had to sort of step back, and I was sort of in my mid thirties by then, and going into my forties a bit later. And I was really lucky to have had two great formational experiences, where I was given time out from my teaching and, and running schools to go away and do a course. And then uh, that was the first one where I had that experience I described earlier. And then when I was about in my mid-40s, I got the chance to go to uh, Boston, okay. study at Boston College and do a master's degree in, in basically in spirituality. And that was just such a gift. Yeah. Such a great gift time out because it wasn't all just academic. I actually did spiritual... Um, um, I took spiritual, what we call spiritual direction. It's a bad word. Yeah. It sounds like someone tells you what to do. <laughs> it actually should be called spiritual accompaniment. Right. Where someone sits with you and listens to you and just reflects back to you. So you make your own thinking and decision about where you are in your relationship with God. Mm. And that's really, I found that really powerful. Mm. And that's why what I'm studying now is to become one of those sorts of people myself. Right. But back then, what helped me was going through it and receiving it. Absolutely. And um, I began to see that God was completely different. A bit like you, I think you, you mentioned in your early life, you went through this fear factor of God. Yeah. I think that was a little bit in me too. Um, when I think back to the young me, mm. I was sort of never quite good enough. Yeah. I was yeah. always thinking, oh, I'm never quite good enough. My life isn't perfect. I, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And, I, you know, you sort of come to realise that that's irrelevant. That's the human mm. condition, that if this force in the universe, this God, is totally loving, mm. then you don't have to prove yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to be open. And I think for me it was I didn't really I, I was constantly trying to prove to myself that I was good enough you know and I think yeah. the 
the um, disillusionment, disillusionment I had then was that if I was trying to prove something to myself all the time, I didn't really know who I was, you know, and by coming to understand, mm. you know, me at a deep level, I, I hope that that always progresses and I hope in 10 years time I look back on this episode and go, wow, I didn't know who I was then, you know, <laughs> but it's um, going to end up being... It's a, a, it's a lifelong process. That's right. I'm still getting there myself. Yes. I'm a lot older than you. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, but I was trying to... Um, prove these things to myself that you know didn't really tie into who I really was um, or I guess didn't really sit with me well and of course they were never going to be good enough because they, they were leading me down a path that I was never I really feel meant to pursue I guess mm. yeah and also we can't reach perfection it's impossible no. as human beings yeah and nor should we want to because then if we're, <laughs> if we're perfect I mean I'm perfect but I don't know about you Johnny but, yeah. but then still I mean, working on it yeah that's right yeah the hair's looking good <laughs> that's right so what about um, a time so you, you've 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 um, surpassed thirties you you found God in your in your in your life again as well refound yep. Re God yep. excuse me sorry yep. that's um, all right were there any other testing times? Did you ever have any sort of testing moments? And oh, um, yeah, I guess so, but not 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 dramatically so. But you know, life always throws up its little challenges. You know, there were times when I was disappointed that I thought I might have got this position or that position and I didn't get it. Mm. And you've got to cope with that. So, oh, well, it just wasn't meant to be. Mm. You know, there's something else will come along, and uh, so there's little setbacks like that. Um, I was lucky that my parents lived both on until I was fairly old. My mm. mother only died four years ago. Mm. And lost parents is always something you've got to stop, stop shooting your tracks and, of course, and makes you think about it, what life's all about, yeah. <laughs> where you're going. So there were little things all along the way that I had to sort of cope with and come to grips with. But I think I've probably been fairly lucky that I haven't had um, major crises, mm. major crises to cope with. Probably the worst was when I finished my studies in Boston, I got really sick. And uh, no one could diagnose what was wrong with me. Uh-huh. And uh, so I started to question myself. I thought, oh, is this all mental? I'm oh, sure it wasn't, yeah. but you have to ask that question. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I'd been bitten by a tick. Yeah. And uh, they found out I had something called rickettsia. But it was seven years later before I was diagnosed. So I had to just slowly go through feeling not great, slowly recovering, coping with life. And that was a bit of a test. Uh, yeah. Yeah, until I finally thought, ah, good, that's what I've got. You take an antibiotic and... You start to improve. Wow. So how <laughs> so, quickly did you improve? Just what, a week or something? Or? Sorry? Did you improve within a week? Or uh, no, it was slow and gradual. Yeah, right. It was just one of those things, once it gets into you, what it does is the tick dies after a while, but it sets off an infection inside of you, right. and it taxes your energy levels, and you just feel pretty lousy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was back at, back at a school and working and trying to fulfil expectations and feeling as though my energy levels were about zero. Yeah. I found that hard. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, hard to cope with. But I was conscious that each, as each year went by, I was getting a little bit better. Yeah. And then when I finally realised, when this clever doctor came along, he said, I think I know what you've got, and gave me the blood test. Really? Uh, things improved yeah. quite dramatically. But I, but that uh, that tested my sense of self-belief and my faith and everything else, struggling with that illness for a while mm. until I got on top of it. So that's probably the worst thing I've had to cope with. Sure, yeah. And so when that when those little tests do come about, mm. um, you know, we mentioned before meditation you know, yeah. and all different sorts of things, okay. how do you, what, right. what are your practices? I well, guess? My, the big thing that came from those times out I had was I discovered a totally new form of praying. And it's called in the Catholic tradition centering prayer, or you can just call it meditation. Mm. But it's virtually sitting in a you're sitting in a chair with your back straight, um, 
in a quiet private place for about 20 minutes and usually you get a mantra or something you say quietly to yourself which is a bit similar to I think to the Buddhist meditation mm. you were talking about and the Buddhist meditation but um, <laughs> you can you can use and you can use a mantra that has got a religious connotation or not and you go quietly into yourself and I've found that's made a dramatic change in my life since I discovered that about I've only been doing that form of meditation dash praying for about 15 years 20 years but I've noticed it's had great out of outer effects on my lot calmer, mm. more relaxed. Um, and I do it every day. I get up, I have my shower, sometimes have my breakfast first, or sometimes just sit and do the meditation. If I don't do it, I feel my whole day isn't quite yeah. isn't quite right or isn't quite centered. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest change I've had in my life is discovering that form of as I say you can call it meditation, you can call it centering prayer, mm. whatever you like. But that's mm. what it, it's much the same. It literally is astonishing to me. You could, I mean, so to give you an example of how I wake up, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. I'll wake up, I'll do my best when the alarm goes off to wake up. Um, I'll have a bit of apple cider vinegar and water just to um, get the digestive health um, nice and alkalized, I believe it is. I'll stand out in the sun and do some like interpretive dance for like five minutes oh just God. to get some body movement. <laughs> yeah. I'll um, breathe nice and heavily and jump into a cold shower to right. boost my immunity. Oh, a cold shower. That's yeah. impressive. Super cold, super cold. That's right. And, um, and then I'll meditate for about 20 minutes. Oh, and okay. my meditation mm. sounds exactly the same <laughs> as what you've been doing for 25 years. And it's just so interesting for me yeah. to hear that as yeah. someone... You know, not to, to bring this about me, but someone who was very fearful of the understanding of or the, the concept of eternal hell and, you know, developing OCD from that. Yeah. Then I became a very um, passionate atheist to suppress that fear, you know, and then um, I guess finding it again a little bit. Um, and I don't really know what to call it. I don't yeah. really know whether I don't. I need to, I guess, further my theological studies, you know, in any, in all sorts of religion, you know, or maybe just no religion to see which one that I guess works for me or doesn't work. But yeah. it's fascinating to me that you know, in, in definitely calling myself so very happy now that it sounds, you know, similar, you yeah. know, although I'm practicing it here and you're practicing yeah. it there, that it's kind of similar. You well, know? It's, it's spirituality, isn't it? And uh, it's, it's, it's the same process, basically, mm. maybe coming from slightly different orientations. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that change the, I guess, have you um, taught religion at schools? Um, mm. I know you were obviously at Ross Trevor, I was at St. Yeah. Um, have you taught it with that similar sort of thing, that understanding of... Yeah, I started using it in class and I found uh, I was in an old boys' school and the boys loved it. Yeah, right. They loved meditation. Uh, sometimes I'd let them lie flat on the carpet and uh, there were possibly... Uh, snoring. False, <laughs> ma- false motivations there. Yeah. And we did actually have a couple fall asleep. Yeah. But they would beg me. They'd say, oh, we're going to do meditation. Yeah. Uh, so they really did like it and I think it's because the modern youth are so much wrapped up in their iPhones or their smartphones and they're constantly in communication or listening to music that when they're actually encouraged or, or in this case forced to take 20 minutes off totally away from that getting in touch with your inner self mm. it was like a revelation to them absolutely and I found they really liked it mm. and uh, so I started doing that regularly in my classes mm. right up until when I finished teaching last year mm. Mm. and then I guess do you, do you teach the theory of Christianity is I mean just from my understanding is that they're all you know the Christian faith and all this stuff teaching about how to live a better life essentially mm. yeah yeah well, you know, unfortunately, Christianity and the church probably hasn't helped here. Has got terribly wrapped up and mixed up with all sorts of teachings about this, that, and the other. Right. That somehow I think it's clouded the essential message: mm. just love God, love yourself, 
and love your neighbour like you love yourself. Mm. That sums it all up. Mm. And people sometimes forget about the middle bit, loving yourself. Yeah. Which is a bit what we've been talking about. Absolutely. And um, and, and that's linked to the loving God part, which is the, what we've been talking about, the meditation or different forms of prayer or whatever you want to call it. Mm. And then you've got to go out and make the world a better place yeah. by the way you treat other people. And so could you put a modern spin on love God? Yeah, well, it's... Um, it's I, I I don't think it's that sort of you know being you know for everlasting me on your knees yeah beating your wrists or, <laughs> yeah that's right which maybe was the image that sometimes came across in the past mm. but I think just treating the mystery we call God however you see that as a friend yeah not someone to be feared um, someone who can be close if you want that and someone who's open to that and uh, so the different forms of getting in touch. And as I said, the one that works for me really well is this mantra-style meditation every mm. day. Other people like to, you know, use their imaginations and and, and sort of chat to, to the mystery we call God or whatever. I don't think it matters which way you do it. Yeah. It's all equally valid. Mm. But different people find different things suit them. Mm. I wanted to, um, at some point in the in our combo, throw a bit of a curveball here. Ah, um, right. Because, yeah, it's something that I've, I've been quite fascinated with and something I've had a personal experience with is yeah. um, the use of psychedelic drugs. Okay. And it's with um, psilocybin in mushrooms. Um, there are people that drink a, a, a brew in Peru and the Amazon um, called ayahuasca and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. these, these, these drugs have, like drugs or some people call it plant medicines and I think yeah. um, but they've been shown to like really really almost shut off that the egotistical side of the brain I, guess, I think it's the prefrontal cortex or wherever the thinking occurs yeah, in the brain yeah. Yeah. yeah prefrontal cortex yeah. yeah and then put you just in touch with yourself completely mm-hmm. um, have you studied have you ever studied that before or no I haven't I really haven't had much experience in that at all yeah I have read bits about it and seen TV programs where people take these things and literally go into a trance-like state. Yeah. Whatever. Start shouting. But, but yeah, I just don't have any... I, I find it hard to relate to because it's so different from anything I've ever experienced of or course. come across. Yeah. No, I just thought it was interesting um, because, you know, I mean, these are people that, um, you know, they've been smoking all their life, uh, they've been depressed for 20 years, they've been highly anxious and they'll have these things and they'll just get a closer relationship with themselves, I guess, I really think is the fundamental thing, you know. But... Um, interesting to think it'd be interesting for me to like see like the, the modern you know Christianity 20 years or something it's like here's your mushroom here's <laughs> <Yeah>. it's fascinating <laughs> I think it'd be great <laughs> I love it yeah I'm not sure if that's going to happen yeah that's right <laughs> I know so what are you studying now okay so now I'm studying what's called spiritual direction as I said earlier I think it's, it's better called spiritual accompaniment where you, 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 you train to become someone who is like, can help facilitate another person's relationship with God. So you don't do it by telling them what to do. You don't do it by this, but you, you listen very closely. You become a very good listener. And you might hear the person say something that they haven't been aware of, and you can reflect that back to them. So the person, it's, it, the people who come to you would be people who want to grow their relationship with God. And so they come to you to get that help mm. once a week or whatever it is, once a month or whatever, or on a, on a retreat, a Christian-directed retreat um, in the Catholic tradition has that sort of thing where the person meets the director once a day and the rest of the day they're in silence and getting in touch with their inner self and God. But they, once a day you meet with the director or the, or the, the company 
and you talk about what's going on, mm. what's going on deep down. And so that's what I'm training for at the moment. Okay. So I'm doing it through the what's called the Ignatian tradition, which uh, Ignatius of Loyola was the founder of the Jesuits. And he, he was the great saint, I suppose, in history who got in touch with his inner feelings and realised that God can talk to you through your feelings. And, and um, he talked about feelings of consolation when you feel really happy and peaceful and good with life and feelings of desolation where you feel pretty lousy. Mm. And he worked out that um, God can speak to us through those times Mm. and that if you can get in touch with that, you can sense the right way to go forward in your life. Mm. What gives you a deep sense of consolation is the way forward, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm sort of doing... It's a bit academic, some of the studies, and some of it's very practical. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it. (laughs) And so uh, your first semester done... First semester will be done in four weeks' time. Yeah. Complete all my papers. Yes. And then I, I have a break and I come back for semester two. And then I'll, um, I've broken the back of the course, but I, I've got some more part time work to do after that. So whether I'll be full time next year or go back to Adelaide, do it part time. Yeah. Still to be decided. Um, you were mentioning before how, you know, it's about they all going retreats and things and it's. You have one chat, I think, is with your... your Do it, yeah. The person who's directing you yes. or accompanying you once a day, if you go on a six-day retreat, yep. they meet you in the morning or whatever yep. and they listen to you. They might make a few suggestions. There's a few gospel stories or something else to take to think about, to use your imagination with, mm. and then you come back the next day and say, well, this is what happened. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how it went or I just got nowhere or yeah. whatever. And you try to help them. They try to help you go right. forward. Yeah. I just, um, have you ever thought about, I don't know, um, doing some sort of thing with other religions as well? And I mean, Buddhism just, just mm. literally sounds so yeah. much like what's going on here, you know? Yeah, well, Buddhism is very much into meditation and going deep down and quieting your monkey mind that's jumping around all the time and trying to get in touch with the deeper self. Mm. I, I think the only difference really is that Buddhists don't have this concept of a personal God mm. so much as a deep inner peace. Mm. But I think they're open to that interpretation. Mm. But I, I haven't said a lot about it, but the bit I've read about Buddhism seems by and large a very peaceful religion. Mm. And um, But I think all the world religions, even the ones that have a bad press at the moment, like perhaps Islam's got a bit of a bad press at the moment, but but unfortunately that's that's dictated to by the extreme few fundamentalists. Absolutely, yeah. But I think the people who follow Islam, they have a window into God. People who follow Buddhism have a window into God. Christians and Catholics have a window into God. Mm. None of us have the total window because God's always going to be a mystery. Mm. But we try to learn our bit. And you find the path that's really meaningful for you, I think. And uh, and for me, that has been the Catholic Christian path. Yeah. And was there ever a time where you um, wanted to learn more about the other ones? Or was it oh, yeah. Just kind of yeah, and particularly in, in some of my teaching, we did a bit of comparative religion yeah. in our school. So we... We, um, my last uh, school I was at in Adelaide, we did uh, a unit on Islam and Christianity. Right. And looking at, we, we took the, the boys to the mosque and we took them to the cathedral. Oh, wow. And they loved that day. And we, we looked at, you know, what was in the different places of worship and what the meanings were. Mm. And we had a, a person speak to them from the mosque and a person from the cathedral. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've read a bit of the other religions. Judaism, of course, because so strongly influenced Absolutely. Christianity. Um, so 
the big four. I haven't read a lot about Hinduism and some of the others, but mm. the big four I have. I've actually just started reading the Bhagavad Gita, which oh, is like a... Yeah, it's sacred scriptures. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's interesting. And then I started reading this other one called Life Comes From Life, which is a, um, a book. It's like an excerpt of like conversations that a, um, I think it was a Buddhist monk, but it could, I thought it was something to do with Hinduism. Anyway, he was having with uh, his just his um, students and um, someone who just didn't know was just lo- uh, walking along and documenting and it was like at the 70s at the turn when science was getting big and he was, just, he was basically just having a go at science really right. but um, in a, through through this sort of spiritual connotation. So it was really interesting because I've never read anything that's just so against what I had historically read so much of, you know, it was fascinating. Yes, and of course the sad thing is there doesn't have to be that clash between religion and science that there was. Unless you're a literalist. Mm, of course. If you're a literalist, well, there's going to be a clash. Yes. But if you, in our case, if you study the Bible and you see the different books are written for different reasons, different times, different purposes, and some of them aren't meant to be literally, scientifically mm. true, like the story of Genesis is a beautiful metaphor mm. about the creation of God. It's not meant to be a scientific description. Mm. So there doesn't have to be that great clash that there was. But for literalists... There always will be, sadly. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just to play um, devil's advocate a bit here, how do we know that the, that the parts in Genesis and the, and the Old Testament stuff were never meant to be literal? Oh, because okay. obviously for thousands of years we thought they were. Yeah, some people did for a long time. Yeah. The, in the last 150 to 200 years, there was a great outburst of biblical scholarship. And I have to say, it didn't start with the Catholic Church. It started with the Protestant um, Christians, right. they were great into the early biblical scholarship and Catholics sort of came on board around about the 1940s when Pope Pius XII said, yes, yeah, go for it, you know, it's good. Right. And uh, people then became experts at studying the different types of genres in the Bible and realising well, these are not all the same, they're not all history. Some books are historical, but some are not. Mm. And even in the Gospels, some parts are historical, some are not. So there's different genres and people have learnt and the experts that the real biblical scholars can tell you the different types of, of writings in the Bible and what in general they were meant to do. Mm-hmm. So the parables, the stories that Jesus told, for example, aren't literally true, but they teach us wonderful lessons about life. Mm. Um, in Genesis, in, there were, you know, uh, it was probably written, I think, somewhere about six or 700 BC when the um, Jewish people were living next to other people who had their own creation stories. And they said, well, how do we, who believe in one God, how do we describe creation? So they they wrote, someone wrote that story to put it in a sort of a context. What are the lessons behind creation? Right, okay. But, yeah, they weren't scientists and they, they didn't know anywhere near what we know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. About yeah. the development of the universe and all of the 13.5 billion years of the universe's history. Yeah. yeah. And so if we take on that um, understanding of, you know, these were parallels and these were historical, uh, how much of, Je- we'll talk about Jesus now, how much of Jesus's life do we assume to be historically accurate? Right. And I'm talking specifically about really the resurrection here. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Well, um, there are four Gospels, but there were actually more, some that weren't accepted in the early church, but... They accepted the four that we've got as being the sort of most, whatever, accurate or something. Okay. Three are very similar. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are uh, very similar, and they start with the story of Jesus' life going through to his death and his resurrection. John's Gospel is a bit more theological and was written later. Mm. I think about forty years later, about hundred AD. 
So, um, yeah, um, there's sort of common things in all the Gospels, like the story of the passion of Jesus suffering and being put to death on a cross is similar and the same in all the four Gospels, but some little parts are different, mm. obviously. And they think that's because um, they weren't written down. Like the first one was probably written about 70 AD. Mm. And Jesus died somewhere around 27 AD or something like that. You can argue about that depending on the years. Yeah. Um, but people shared stories. They had this oral tradition. They shared stories and handed them down for about 30, 40 years. And then eventually somebody said, we better write these down. So they were written down according to the different traditions that were handed down. Right. So different people remember different things, emphasise different things and all of that. So within all of that, the historical person, Jesus of Nazareth, comes through. But... You can't say, well, that's exactly... Of course. That's exactly... You've got to pick up the general picture of the man mm. coming through. When you get to the resurrection part, I think that's where faith kicks in, doesn't it? Yeah. Because um, the rest is pretty historically accurate. There, there were references to Jesus in other writings. Some of the, One of the Roman historians mentions this person called Christus who caused trouble in Palestine. Oh, right. So there's... You know, you can assume that. Yeah, you can assume Jesus really existed. I think there's enough proof of that. When you get to the resurrection, of course, you're into the realm of belief and faith and stuff like that. Yeah. But there seems to have been amongst the early followers a genuine conviction that something dramatic happened. Right. And that's the way they described it. Yeah, and that was in. Is that in? All four Gospels? Yes. Yeah. The stories are slightly different. There are different resurrection stories in different Gospels, but they all have that mm. to one degree or another. Mm. Yeah. John's, uh, Mark's Gospel is the first, and it describes initially it, it had a couple of endings, and its first ending finished with an empty tomb. Question mark. Yeah. And then somebody wrote another chapter, I think, a bit later. But... But they all have that concept there in one way or the other, yeah. Okay. And then just so I'm completely aware of it, so it was um, the understanding that on the third day when they went to um, visit his tomb, the human form the, or the body wasn't there. Um, did anyone actually, and then from what I remember, it was just he descended into heaven, but did anyone have any, I believe Danny Thomas did or something. Yeah, there were some stories in the different Gospels about what are called resurrection appearances, yeah. where people had this experience like we were talking about some of the religious experiences early, they had this experience of the risen Christ being present to them, mm. and they're described in the different Gospels. Really? Okay. So, the, yeah, Downing Thomas was one, and the, the, the disciples... It's a good name, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not down here. <laughs> so, yeah, there's... Uh, the, just somehow those early Christians had that experience. Yeah. That belief came strongly to them. Mm. Mm. And I think, like, you know, as general as we want to be... Um, you know, this was a dude who um, helped a lot of people out, you know, and I think like however far you want to go down the, I'm not really just the word rabbit hole, but of, of saying like this happened, this happened, like at the end of the day it was just a guy that seemed to have a big impact positively on people's lives and I think that's really great, you know. Yeah, and, and was ultimately killed because he uh, trod on the toes of the really influential religious leaders of the time mm. by questioning things mm. and, and asking questions mm. to the point where they thought he was dangerous. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's very powerful and important mm. for sure. I think um, it's always important to um, seek your own truth, um, you know, question and look for answers and all that sort of stuff. And never just 
agree blindly or blind faith I guess you would call it no, sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. yeah exactly right mm. yeah. Um, Johnny I wanted to finish this this um, conversation off with a bit of a blunt question but yeah. um, what do you think happens when we die oh wow mm. I wish I knew for sure yeah. <laughs> you're under oath mate <laughs> yeah well again um, nobody's ever died and come back to tell us have they it's true so again you're there was right. this one guy actually mate yes yeah, like, true <laughs> So we sort of enter again the realms of belief and faith. It's interesting that it's not just in Christianity, but there's a common strand right through the world, I find, of people believing there's something beyond death. Like even people I find who are completely secular uh, will put notices in the paper when someone very close to them has died saying, you know, um, now at peace and until we meet again or that sort of concept. There's this sort of... It seems to be in our DNA this sort of belief that there's something beyond death. Mm. And as I say, we can't prove it and uh, there's no, no one's come back to tell us, oh, well, this was exactly what happened. Yeah, that's right. But, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of something there that... Um, uh, and I've met people who have got this really strong, absolute belief. Um, remember, you might remember a man named Len... Yeah. A friend of mum's. Yeah. When he was dying, he said to me, oh, I can't wait to die. Really? I can't wait to die and get to heaven. And I thought, wow, your faith is so much stronger than mine. Yeah. Because I can't see myself quite saying that at the moment. No. But at the same time, uh, I do have this inner belief that there's something beyond death, mm. um, uh, a form of spiritual existence or whatever you want to call it. And hopefully, I, I often say we go to God. Yeah. And that uh, there's something in that. But beyond that, I find it hard to say much more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to bring um, that, um, you know, that, that psychedelic thing back into it as well, lots of people say they, um, when they have a lot or when they have the, under the right circumstances, they experience this thing called ego death, which is this complete, like, you know, disembodiment from your human form, and they feel like they go to this place where they understand exactly what happens when they die, and it's like that feeling of going to God, I believe, um, is described as this just understanding of, of the universe and the, the power of the universe and all that sort of stuff. And I think um, what really helps me is just understanding that, like, there's so much I don't know. So it's always <laughs> yes. good to keep the ego in yes. check. <laughs> That's very true. There's yeah. a lot we don't know because so much of it is mystery. Yeah. Yeah, and even to the point where I, I don't know that I don't know things, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's fascinating. Johnny, thank you so much, mate. Pleasure talking to Absolutely you. Absolutely loved it. Beautiful. <laughs> Good on you. And uh, may the force be with you. And, and also with you. <laughs> Great. Alrighty, team, I sincerely hoped you enjoyed that show. And... Look, if there's if there's anything that uh, you know you're you're interested in having a chat personally about in terms of spirituality and God, and you know, and just trying to find self and find who you truly are, and these are the conversations that I really love, you know. So um, don't be afraid to to hit us up through uh, Adventure Fits, um, all our all our social medias. So I'd love to I'd love to hear from you, guys. Audible, head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. Use no code word because that is obviously a web page. <laughs> I've uh, screwed that one up in the past. But uh, ADVF radio, guys, it's a it's a fantastic website. I love Audible. I really do. And um, you can get one free credit there. Uh, True Protein, guys, 10% off all subs and everything at www.trueprotein.com.au. Use the code ADVF. And finally, guys, if you want 10% off trips, head to www.adventurefittravel.com and use the code RADIO. We'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.